So we're pumped that you decided to join us tonight for the brand new start of our series, For the Win. So how many of you have ever heard the phrase, For the Win, before? For the win. Yeah, that's right. You've likely, maybe you've heard it on, on a sports TV show and you're listening. The announcer comes over the intercom and he says something like, yo, it's Peyton Manning's touchdown pass for the win. Right? Any Colts fans out there? No. Okay. Two of us. Love that. Solid work. Or maybe maybe you, you watch the game show network and you're like, turn on the prices right at like noon on every weekday because you know when the prices right comes on every noon and every weekday. And he goes on there and he says, hey, Bob Barker, Bob Barker, I'm going to guess. That bar of soap, $7 for the win, right? Right? Maybe you've seen that. Maybe you've heard that. Maybe, maybe you've even seen on Twitter or Instagram the hashtag running, hashtag for the win. It's just people's pictures and tweets sent out of their accomplishments and their winning moments. But we love the phrase for the win. We love the phrase because, because have you ever felt depressed saying that? Try, just turn to your neighbor right now and just say for the win in the most like depressing way possible. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah, exactly. You're like, for the win. Like, yeah, still awesome, right? Because nobody's ever depressed when, when you make the game winning shot. No one's ever depressed when you make the win. Nobody's ever depressed when you win the cash, when you win the car, when you get the trophy. Nobody's depressed about that because deep down, we like winning. <laughs> and it's not a bad thing. We like winning. And, and it's not just winning in sports. It's not just winning in the competitions. It's not even just winning in the video games. We like winning in all areas of our life, right? Like how many of you, how many of you want to win in money? Come on, how many of you want to win money? You know, no excited. I'm going to give every, somebody all the money in my wallet if you just get excited. Who wants to win in money? That's hilarious. You're all so cute. You think I have money in my wallet. I have none. That's so good. I have student debt. No, we want to win in money. We want to, how many of you want to win in your future? Yeah, you want to win in your future. Maybe, what do you want? You want to win in dating, right? Come on. Yes, win. Please hear me, Lord. All the prayers offered. We want to win in dating. We want to win in, in being funny. We want to win in being liked. We want to win in being attractive. Win, win, win. That's what we want. We want to win. And it basically boils down to this. It boils down to this point. We want to win at life. We want to win at life. And, and then that's not a bad thing. It's, it's actually a good thing. It's how God's wired us to be. Some of you, some of you are competitive. You're like, maybe, maybe you're like me. I'm competitive in everything. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. Like my friends would be like, hey, Robbie, meet you at the mall in 20. And I'm like, 20, done. Like I'll beat you there. And like, doesn't even matter. It's not even a race, but I'm like going 90 on the interstate because I got to be the first one. Or, or like I've literally met this guy, uh, in Taco Bell, which is a really weird sentence, but I met this guy in Taco Bell, and we're sitting down, and I couldn't help but notice he ordered the exact same thing as me, and in my mind, that's just like, oh, maybe some people, oh, that's cool, dude, you like the same things that I like, but me, I'm like, bro, it's a level playing field, and I got to be the first one to finish this, you know what I'm saying, because it's just the competitiveness rising up inside me, because we like to win, and when we talk about we want to win in life, that's a pretty big statement. But it's every area in life. When we talk about life, it talks about so many areas in our life, so many things that we can go into. And in this series, For the Win, we're going to look at winning at life. And each week, we're going to dissect one area of your life that we think is important for you to win at. And, and so this week, we're going to jump into the first one. And the first thing that we think is important for you to win, the first thing is with your friends. Is with friends and relationships. We want you, we all want to win in the area of friends. Because, because if you've had friends close by or, or maybe you've ever been in a spot where you've been lonely and you feel isolated and you feel like you don't have any friends and just having somebody there would feel like a total win to you. 
but, but maybe you've always felt like the closeness and you've had that tight-knit group of friends and it's a total win, right? Because when you have friends in your life, it's a win. And, and I've had friends growing up my whole life. And, and in, in uh, high school, I had, some, I had some pretty close friends. We hung out almost every single day. And we grew up in Indiana. And in Indiana, like I've told this before, is the most boring place. There's three places in Indiana that, that are awesome. It's, it's the city. It's uh, the city of Indianapolis, Turkey Run State Park, and an amusement park. And I lived right there in Turkey Run State Park. Uh, we actually have a picture. This is a suspension bridge uh, over Turkey Run. The, the Turkey Run is like the only uh, cave area the, the only cliffs in, in all of the Midwest. And so Turkey Run State Park sits there and this park is split in half by one creek. One creek that's called Sugar Creek that goes straight through the middle of it. This suspension bridge was built in the early 1800s. Early 1800s and it's just suspended there. You walk over and it's like one of those bridges you walk across but it like swings the whole time. And you're like still like 50 feet below. It's freaking scary. But like you go across that from one side of the park to the other. And you can see down below, there's people, they take their tubes, they take kayaks, they take canoes, and they just go down this river. And Sugar Creek is normally pretty, just pretty, uh, pretty steady. There's not like a ton of rapids, not like a ton of bumpy area. It's just a really, really nice place to lay in a tube and go down. And so that's what, how I spent my summers with my friends. My friends and I would go in canoes, we'd go in kayaks, we'd go in tubes, and we'd just wade down Sugar Creek. And that's what we did. We'd go underneath the suspension bridge every single time. And, and I remember one time, me and my friend were sitting there, and it's storming out like crazy. Like, it was raining unbelievably hard. And so we're sitting down, and you've had those days where it's just you and your friend, and you're on the couch, and you're, like, just down in Netflix shows like it's your job. And you're sitting there, and I'm on, like, season three of Vampire Diaries because I just, like, don't know what else to I'm just kidding. I don't watch that, guys. Don't judge me. We're, like, you know, leaning over, and you're, like, yeah, yeah, season three of Vampire Diaries. Dude, we've got to find something to do. And my friend's, like, bro, how cool would it be? if we went down Sugar Creek in the storm. And I was like, yeah, that's the best idea I've ever heard. Done, let's grab the kayaks, let's go. And so we actually got, we got my friend's canoe and we go down to Sugar Creek and normally this is what it's like. And we're going down and as I'm flowing down Sugar Creek, we're going at an abnormally quick pace. Like the river's flowing so fast and I have no idea what's the deal. And I've noticed the perspective's changed a little bit. Like normally you look up and there's like, the tree line kind of starts here. And I'm noticing like, man, there's like no trees around. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know what's happening. And we get to the suspension bridge, and this is what I see. This is what I see. And uh, yeah, I thought I was going to die in this moment because I'm like, that's almost all the way up. And actually, uh, just a few hours later, uh, the, the water was completely submerged. Like, the bridge was completely submerged. Uh, and that for the first time, they had to rebuild the suspension bridge in over 200 years. Uh, from this sort of flood. So it's like the biggest flood that we've seen in the last few centuries, and me and my friend Kyle are going down Sugar Creek in a canoe. And like, I don't know if you've ever been in a canoe, but they are not safe. Like, they can flip in anything. And so it's like, we're thinking to ourselves, this is going to be a nice, easy ride. And when we started, it was, because it was right off our backyard. We just started going. But when we pick up here, and all of the trees of the state park are there, and we're literally riding above the trees. And all of those trees above are just creating all of the rapids. So when you see rapids, normally it's just like the bottom, the rocks and everything that are creating all those bumpiness and the waves in the river. This is like the tree lines are giving us all of that. And we're thinking to ourselves, like, normally this is supposed to be a relaxing, easy thing, and we both think we're going to die. We're yelling at each other, no, you paddle front, no, you paddle left, where I said left, right, and you get in that big fight because you're in a canoe, and we all think we're going to die, and the canoe starts tipping over, Right? And so, like, I'm like, Kyle, dude, I swear, man, if we go under, if I don't die, I'm going to drown. And then I'm going to kill you somehow. I don't know. I'm going to find you. I'm going to kill you because this is the scariest thing. 
And But here's the reality, is you don't have to be on Sugar Creek, you don't have to be in this sort of position in the middle of a flood watch to feel that kind of transition take place in your friends. Have you noticed that? Where all of a sudden you think things should be smooth and they're going just fine, but then all of a sudden you just kind of, something happens and it's like you're in the rapids. You know it? And it's like this word, I'm going to call it um, drama, <laughs> comes in, right? And one moment you think everything's good and it should be smooth sailing, and the next it's the bumpiest ride you've ever felt. And, and there we have a, we have a few, few ways to respond to it, but, but, but we know that it's not the, not the healthiest way to just go after these sort of responses. But I want you to look. Maybe the first one that you go after when drama hits is you just amp up your sarcasm. Have you felt this? So, so like things, things get shaky and, and someone's talking about someone or there's some sort of drama going on at school in the friends group and you just suddenly like you're always kind of funny and you always kind of like poke at people and, and they laugh at it. But then like things get shaky and there's tension and there's more stress than normal. And so your sarcasm just seems to amp up just a little bit. And, and honestly, it's, uh, it's kind of hurtful and, and it's not necessarily funny anymore but it's causing pain. And it's just all the stress and the anxiety that drama brings creates you to amp up in sarcasm. And it's one of our responses. Maybe, maybe you're like me and you're, another response is this, brutal honesty. <laughs> right, so like, like you're not telling lies. You're not, you're not going around, you're not spreading rumors, you're not gossiping, you're just telling it exactly as it is. And it's, well, well she's just, it's just something that they needed to hear, right? And, and you just become brutally honest with people. And even if what you're saying is true, now somehow it's rude and it's hurtful. It's brutally honest. Or maybe, maybe these aren't the two that I connect with, but I think everyone might connect. When, when drama hits in friendships, we take it right here, right? Right to social media. And, and maybe it's like, I don't know, Steve and I get in a fight for whatever reason, and I'm like, luckily, luckily, I've got like 30 ugly selfies of Steve on my phone, so I'm just gonna post all of them. No, is that, that's not how it usually goes, but like that's what I would do. But what we normally do is we'll go right to Twitter and we'll do these things, we'll do like subtweets. And we'll start with phrases that, that look something like this. These are things that I've seen. I hate it when some people, and everyone knows who you're talking about, but you're, you're leaving out key details, you're leaving out names, but everybody still knows what's going on. And it's just a subtle way of poking at them. I hate it when some people do this. Or what about when, oh, I, this person, uh, or I hate when this happens to me. And, and everybody knows that somebody did that to you, and it's just a real subtle way of poking at them. And we bring it up into social media, and we put, post it for everyone to see, and all it does is stir up drama. We're going through our feed, and then there's 15 replies on there, and you just have to chime in your own opinion. And all it does is it just stirs up the drama even more. Maybe you don't respond in any of these ways, but you actually resort to this. Exclusion. So she offended me. He offended me. She said something to me. And the first thing you do is you just cut them all off. Well, you know, it's shunned. I guess we can't hang out anymore. Or like, hey, I, I heard, like, hey, how are you and you and uh, Susie doing okay? Like, oh, you kidding me? Like, we don't talk. We're not friends anymore. Because all of a sudden you've just, something has happened. The rapids have hit, and it's stirred up something inside of you. And now you just cut them out of your life in completely. And everybody knows that you're ignoring them. You make it obvious. 
It's just a way you respond to the drama in your life. And we know that these things aren't the healthiest. We know these go-to responses aren't, aren't the best way of doing it. But we do it anyway. And, and we'll justify what we're saying. And we'll actually say things like this. It's just that I can't stand her. Or, or she just makes me mad. Or he's just weird. Or, or what about, uh, it's just that somebody had to tell them. Right? And, and here's what I've noticed. When we start off phrases with something like, it's just, all you're really doing is you're just making an excuse to justify your action. You know, well, well, it's just that he or it's just that she, and it's like, no, it's just an excuse. You're just justifying one of these responses. And responding to drama with sarcasm, brutal honesty, social media attacks only brings more drama. Have you noticed that? It only brings more. You think maybe it's going to solve it. You think maybe it's just going to be a subtle comment. You think you've got the right answer, the right thing to say, the thing that's going to just tip it all over, and then it just stirs it up even more. But maybe you've actually been on the other side of it when everyone's talking about you, or maybe you're the person that everyone's poking at. Maybe you've felt that, and you know those comments cut deeper than you realize. And it's not always funny when it's just about you. And maybe though the argument or the fight might end that day, you're naive to think that the pain also resides that day. Because it lasts so much longer than we realize. And so we talk about drama, we talk about all these things that, that well, yeah, those are the go-to responses and that's what happens. And we know this is a real thing in our relationships, but how do I go for the win in this? How do I handle it? And uh, you might think, is there even an alternative to all of this? And because we're sitting in church, because we're at age 12, maybe the response that you're thinking is, is simply just, well, yeah, I heard something about like maybe turning the other cheek or like just, just saying nothing. But like when shots are fired and things get tense and you hit the rapids and, and drama occurs, are you really just supposed to sit there? And so what we're going to do is we're going to dive into to a book of the Bible called Proverbs. And, and Proverbs is written, what you need to know, it's written by a guy named King Solomon. And, and King Solomon is known, and, and the Bible even tells us, that King Solomon is the wisest person that's ever lived and that's ever going to live. The wisest. And all Proverbs is, is just a book of, of, of practical steps, of, of simple truths that will help you win at all sorts of areas in your life. And we're going to look at one proverb today. It's Proverbs 15. It's in Proverbs chapter 15. So if you have your worship center Bibles, they're right underneath there. It's page 642. Page 642. Go ahead. Grab that out from underneath your seat uh, or in the seat in front of you. Go ahead and grab that page, page 642. If you don't have a worship center or you don't have a Bible of your own, just go ahead and make this one your own. Write your name in it. Read right into it. Get into God's word. It's going to change your life. But we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 15, just verse 1. Proverbs 15, verse 1, and Solomon addresses this whole idea of drama within relationships. It's brilliant. Here's what he says. He says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Maybe you don't use the word wrath like on a daily basis. Uh, and if you did, that's like pretty weird. I don't know why you would. But like wrath is simply this phrase that just means like anger or frustration or occurring to the boiling point. In other words, wrath equals drama. So he says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. And he's actually saying that he, there's, there is an alternative. 
There is a way when, when your friendship seems to hit the rocks and you suddenly are on the rapids, Solomon is providing a way to steer around them, uh, providing a different route. And when you see a conversation becoming more than just a conversation, it starts to become a situation. We can choose to actually turn away from the drama. Not that we turn away from the person, but we turn away from the drama. And then Solomon actually goes on. There's more to this. and he, So he says, uh, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And so when it comes to our friendships, he's actually saying there's a way to stay around it, but there's also something you can do to even make matters worse. And even when you think about kind of like the rapids, uh, like when I'm going down Sugar Creek and there's rocks or I'm above the tree lines, it's something underneath the surface that is causing all of the distress and the anxiety above the water. And it's something underneath. And he's actually saying there's something underneath that's stirring it up. In other words, Solomon's trying to say this. If you want to avoid the rapids in your friendships, if you want to avoid the rapids, then this is the truth. Gentle is greater than harsh. It's in your notes. Write it down. Gentle is greater than harsh. And you know this already. You already know this to be true. And you know how it's felt when somebody gave you a gentle answer when you were actually expecting a harsh one. Right? Maybe, maybe it was with your parents. Uh, you did something that you know deliberately disobeyed or you broke something or you did something wrong that you know would be considered wrong in your parents' eyes and you expected like a harsh punishment or some sort of wrath to come from and then all of a sudden they turned to you with some sort of gentle reply and it took you off guard. But it was, it was nice and it was relieving. Maybe, maybe it came from a coach. You, you actually missed, you missed, you bombed it, the game-winning shot and you let everybody down. And now... The coach comes up and you're expecting some sort of harsh reply, but then he gives you a gentle answer. You know how that feels. And, and I know how this feels. For, for instance, I, I had these moments growing up all the time. Maybe I was just that kind of kid, but, but my dad, I remember one time, he built this giant garage. He built this giant garage, and he said everything went up so smooth. Everything went according to plans when he was building it, but there was just this one window on the east side of the house that was like, it just wasn't going to fit. Nobody made the glass for it. Nobody made the frame for it. He had to like custom build and do all this other siding work, and it took him like two or three extra days just to put in this window. And so I remember he finally got it done, and it was up for about a week. And it's winter time in Indiana, so there's like three feet of snow on the ground everywhere you go. And, and we had cats. We had cats. You should know this. Uh, I don't really, like, love cats. Is there, like, any, like, absolute cat lovers in here? Cool. Two of you. I see you, Molly. Uh, you're going to hate this story. Uh, I, I I'm, like, 50-50. I had, like, four cats. I loved two of them, and I hated the other two. And, and I had this big, fat one named Sassy. And she was just the meanest cat you've ever seen. And so she's sitting up there on the window. She's sitting up there on the window, and I have this brilliant idea. My brother, it was actually my brother's idea, but I take credit. He says, hey, uh, why don't you just throw a snowball at her? Totally, you're right, there's a lot of snow. So I pick up a snowball, and, and then I'm getting to think, like, this might not carry the weight I need it to. So I walk over to the bird bath, and I go to the bird bath, and I just kind of roll it around in the water a little bit. And so that snowball just becomes like this big old ice baseball. You know what I'm saying? I'm seeing some of you. Some of you are like, nice, yes, go on, go on. And so I see Sassy's just probably like 30, 30 yards away. And I'm just like, oh, this is the moment. This is the moment. And you know the one of those throws when like the second you let it go, that it's like, that's money. That's going to do it. And so like I let it go and I'm like, boom, that's, this is the end. 
my parents are going to be so happy. Sassy's finally gone. I know, like I know this is this is so bad. And then I think she's sitting right in front of this window, and I don't know why this occurred to me, but she jumps down before it arrives. And so like halfway there, it's like I'm like, "Yeah, no." And then the 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 snow or the ice ball didn't just go through the window that took my dad forever to build. Uh, on the other side of the window inside the garage, he had this picture of my mom that like uh they had like gotten on their wedding day and it was like in the original frame and it was just like a really nice relic for their relationship. And so it sat right there on his toolbox and it went through the window and just so happened to like drill that thing like dead on. Uh, and so it shattered everywhere. And, and so my dad comes home and I, I don't know what I'm expecting. Uh, so I, I started the conversation I'm like, dad, there's something, um, yeah, there's something you should know. Uh, you know, sassy, you know, sassy. And uh, I tried to I tried to hit her with a snowball, and he's like, "Yeah, son, naturally, absolutely, yeah, go on, you're good." And like, so uh, I missed, and and you kind of see his demeanor change, like, "Ooh, please don't hit Oreo, like my other cat, like she's the nice one, like please don't tell me this is where it's going." I said, "No, Dad, uh, it went through the window that you worked really hard on," and he didn't seem too upset. And then I was, and it, you know that picture of mom that's like really important. It's like not there anymore uh i don't i'm really sorry and and i won't i like i've thought in that moment there was like that awkward silence it was probably like two seconds but it like felt like an hour uh waiting for his reply and i just remember thinking like this is it this is how i go i'm gonna die and uh he just turned to me and he put his hand on my shoulder and he said you know what rob like that's all right that's okay man uh we're gonna get up early I've already fixed the window once. I actually have an extra piece of glass laying back there that we're going to put in, and it's only going to be an extra few hours, and don't you worry about the photo of uh, your mom. Uh, I can just buy a new frame for it. It's no big deal. And for whatever reason, it was like the most relieving moment I've ever experienced because I thought I was going to experience this huge, harsh punishment. But in reality, he, my dad just showed so much gentleness in it because gentle is greater than harsh. And I woke up the next morning, I fixed the window with him, he put his, this picture of my mom in a brand new frame, and everything was normal, and everything was back to the way it was. And, and, and let me ask you this, when, have you ever had something like that happen to you, where you thought you were going to receive something harsh, but then you received something gentle instead? And, and didn't you just respect that person more? Didn't you just like them more? Wasn't it like so much more easy to forgive them the next time that, that they wronged you? Because that's what it does. Because deep down, gentle is greater than harsh. And, and when, when friendships begin hitting the rapids and things get crazy, the, the natural tendency inside of us is to just give the harsh word, to go to one of the go-to responses with harsh sarcasm or a harsh, uh, harsh words and body language or, or go in with harsh things on social media. But gentle is greater than harsh. And listen, I know that every situation, every relationship, every circumstance is completely different. I get that. I know that. And there are times when people are going to attack you. There's times when people are going to hurt you. There's times when people are going to ignore you. And there's going to be pain brought to you. And, and I'm not saying that, that you just have to sit there and take it and be some sort of doormat and turn the other cheek. But there is a way to respond and you actually can control but that doesn't mean you just have to, to go with the flow. It doesn't mean that you have to contribute to the drama. In fact, I'm going to challenge you with this. It's on the screen. I'd, I'd encourage you to write it down. This is my challenge, that you would control rather than contribute.
when drama happens and the relationship seems to hit the rapids, that you would control responses rather than contribute to the drama. And the best thing you can do for your relationships is the decision. You've got to decide that your relationship, what you're, what you're going to do when your relationship hits the rapids. You've got to decide it now. You've got to decide it before it happens what you're going to do. And I hope you see that gentle is greater than harsh. And, and remember the, the beginning, we talked about all these excuses and things like, oh, well, she just needs this, and he's just this, and they just need to hear this. All you're doing is making excuses. And listen, students, when you make an excuse, when you make an excuse, you're forfeiting control. When you make an excuse, you're just forfeiting your control. Well, well I would do that. I would respond this way, but excuse. It's just that this. And so there's got, you've got to understand ways to respond to the drama in your life. That a gentle answer versus harsh word. And so maybe, maybe for you, you need to just simply make the decision now, wherever it is. Maybe there's a current circumstance or maybe, maybe there's going to be, well, we know there's going to be circumstances in the future. You just have to make the decision now that you're not going to participate in the drama and you don't, have to, you don't have to attend, and you don't have to invite yourself into every single argument that pops up. And when there's a, tw- like a whole feed on Twitter, you don't, your tweet isn't going to make the difference. And maybe the best thing you can do is just simply not say anything. And if you do say anything, if you do have to contribute, contribute with gentleness. Because gentle is greater than harsh. Maybe, maybe you need to refuse... Uh, using like demeaning body language. And we're so good at just communicating things without ever using our words, you know it? We don't have to say a thing, but it's just the way we cross our arms or you give them that look. (laughs) You know exactly what look it is. It's just like, you don't have to communicate that there's hatred there, that you're trying to cause pain or some sort of discomfort. But when your relationships hit the rapids and things get crazy, what are you gonna do? You can control your response. You don't have to engage in everything. You can control your tone. You can control your body language. And you don't have to contribute. But if you do have to contribute, gentle is always greater than harsh. And you've heard your mom say this. This one was a huge one. I wrote it down because it was big for me. My mom used to say this. She used to go, uh, Robbie, it's, it's not what you say, but it's how you say it. Wow, she said it to you too. That's crazy. It's not what you say, but it's how you say it. And I used to just roll my eyes at that and just like, yeah, whatever. But now that I'm, I'm understanding this and in, in Proverbs here, I'm, I'm, it's bringing it out. That's so true. Because you can give like the highest compliment, but make it sound like the largest insult. And maybe for you, it's just learning to control your tone when you talk. Because understand this with our words and how we say it. Gentle is greater than harsh. And for Christians, this is... Christians, this is even a bigger deal because Jesus, God in flesh, came down perfect. And, and he did nothing wrong, but people ignored him when they needed to listen. People poked at him. People mocked him. People ridiculed him. And every single time, his response was just a gentle answer because Jesus understood that gentle is greater than harsh. In every single time that Jesus responds in a gentle spirit, it just puts an example why we need to respond with a gentle spirit. And every single time that we s- respond with gentleness and a gentle spirit, we're just becoming more like Christ. 
We're just becoming more like Christ because gentle is greater than harsh. And so when drama happens and friendship seems to be on the rocks and the rapids hit, what will you do? And when you choose to avoid it, when you choose to steer away from all of the drama and you choose gentleness rather than the harsh word, you're not only going to miss out on the stress and the anxiety and all of the, the hard things that go along with it, but you're actually going to set up your friendships to be stronger now and in the future. You're just setting them up. You're setting them up for the win. So let me pray for us tonight. God, I thank you so much for these students. God, I thank you so much for your word, uh, what it does in our lives. That it's not, it not only convicts and encourages, but, but God, in, in areas of our life that there's question and there's, we just need understanding, God, that you provide practical steps, simple truths on how we're supposed to win, how we're so supposed to succeed in life. Because, God, each one of us want to win at life. You've put that inside of us. We recognize it, God, but would you help us to understand the truth of your word to help you, uh, to help us understand what you have for us? Simple steps, practical principles, God. God, would you bring those to, to mind? And when there's drama in our lives, God, I pray that these students would be, be, be the ones to always respond with gentleness. God, that they wouldn't engage in, in things that they, they don't need to engage in, God, but they would practice uh, exactly what you practice, Christ. And that's always responding to everything with a gentle spirit.